You're listening to episode 29 of Alexa in Canada, The Voice Experience. She's got, She's skills. got skills. My name's Terry Fisher, and here's the deal. Voice technology is changing so fast, and I'm trying my best to keep up with it. I'm here to learn everything I can about Alexa, so you and I can figure her out, and so we can make our lives more organized, relaxed, stress-free, and even have some fun. Let's learn some skills. Hey there, and welcome to this week's episode of Alexa in Canada. Today we have an all-star guest, and I'm so excited to welcome Dave Izbitsky. He is the chief evangelist for Alexa and Echo at Amazon. He is a trainer, having taught many courses on voice technology, and natural language understanding, and uh, similar technologies. He is a keynote speaker at numerous uh, conferences and summits, and he is a podcast host, hosting the Alexa Dev Chat. On the podcast, we get into lots of really interesting topics, uh, and also specifically for Canadians. We talk a little bit about his background and how he got involved with Alexa. We talk about some of the differences between the computer science uh, that goes into creating the experience in the United States versus other countries, including Canada. And we also talk a little bit about privacy and where he sees the future of voice technology going. We have a fascinating discussion. And again, I am so pleased to be able to bring him uh, to the Canadian listeners. So um, without any further ado, I'd like to welcome Dave Izbitsky onto the podcast. So welcome, Dave, to the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for uh, taking some of your time to be here and to chat with our Canadian listeners. Thank you so much for having me on. I was wondering if we could start off by explaining to our audience a little bit about your background and how you got to be where you are with Amazon. Absolutely. Um let me think. Where do you want me to start, right? In the beginning, when I was in school, uh, when I was a boy, as my, right. my kids always laugh at me, um, I, I, I think the best way I describe it to people is that I started off thinking I was going to have this career where, um, you know, I went, I did a lot of consulting in my early days. This is like um, 1990s, like I remember rolling out Windows 95 inside a corporate environment wearing a three-piece suit, like okay. that kind of environment for computing, right? Right. But I also grew up in the 80s, in the age of like Tron and Star Wars and like always feeling that computers were the future, technology was the future. You may have seen one of my tweets uh, recently where I was reflecting on that, like my first blog post was just all about that. So I've always right. looked at the potential of what technology was going to bring. And uh -huh. I never knew how to apply that. And uh, I always tell my kids this because uh, my oldest is a teen now and she's trying to think about what she's going to do. I'm like, you know, dad didn't figure out what he wanted to do uh, until I was in my 30s. Uh -huh. And it didn't even exist, uh, you know, 12 years ago sure. when I started. So um, it's my career has kind of been like that where I looked around and I'm like, man, this is really boring. I don't want to do this, but maybe I could try – this other thing. And okay. so I started off in the enterprise 11 years ago. I uh, switched to what was social media. I think it was, it was like <laughs> Facebook was just kind of like becoming a thing. Okay. Um, I remember creating a Twitter account. LinkedIn wasn't that big uh -huh. uh, and writing a blog post and 
my whole job at the time, this is with Microsoft as a technical evangelist, because I had a background in pharma, uh -huh. uh, was talking to health and life sciences companies about what technology they could use to make things easier. Like it blew me away that uh, I remember going and seeing scientists looking at pancreatic research and like 70% of their time was in an Excel spreadsheet. And I'm like, what's going on? And they could like code as good as me. They're like, we have to, Dave. We have to learn how to code be so that we can solve cancer. And I'm like, this is no good. Technology wow. should be doing a better job. Yeah. And so it was a lot of that. Um, doing .NET. And, and I remember... Oh, uh, a year later, like 2008, they're like, hey, like you, you seem to really like love talking with people and you're, you're pretty good at writing. What do you think about building a community? Because we've got, you know, we've got all these different .NET products coming out and we want people to go out and explain what this is, mm -hmm. get people excited about it and help them. And I'm like, so I don't have to sell anybody anything? No, no, you don't have to sell anybody anything. I'm just going to go teach them. Yeah. I'm Perfect. like, sold, <laughs> sold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I did that and loved it. In fact, you know, I uh, I had done, for those who don't know, I have a, a podcast, Alexa Dev Chat, and I did a, a, a podcast. I think it was maybe episode twenty. It was it was pretty recent, but it was reflecting on community and those early days and what it was like building community and how you just saw this wide, diverse group of backgrounds and ages, and I just loved it. Um, and so made a career out of basically doing that. And so what would happen is every time there was a new type of framework or platform or API or, or, or product or anything that came out, I would talk with the, the engineering teams about what they needed to do for developers. I would work with marketing around what this thing actually was mm -hmm. and how we could explain it to human beings, right? right. <laughs> and that, you know, what does this mean for your business when I say mobile, you know? Uh -huh. And, and uh, it just, you know, it was almost like a subconscious thing. It was just how the industry shifted and what became important for companies. And for Microsoft at the time, uh, that turned into Xbox. So I got to work on um, the early Connect stuff, which was super interesting to see people using the voice more than the 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 uh, motions oh, okay. i know my house my kids they would do that i'd be watching something they'd walk in and say xbox pause and it's like this has legs like voice is natural you know right um and then um phone so i got to work on windows phone for a while and then i got to um do the windows 8 and the tablet stuff and then uh gosh i guess it was around 2013 um, someone I knew at Amazon was like, Hey, we, we, um, we kind of want to do the same thing. We want to build a community, uh, around this. We're, we're starting an app store. We've got these Kindle fire tablets and, uh, it's worldwide, which was, you know, I, I, I still think Microsoft's an amazing company and, and I know so many people there. And for me, it was an opportunity to go do something around the world because I hadn't traveled the world. Uh, yeah. Okay. And uh, for those folks who don't know, um, I'm also not in Seattle. So I am East Coast U.S. I've always um, – about a, an hour outside Philadelphia. I've always been here. Oh. And so the you know going to Heathrow is like less than an hour longer for me than going to Seattle, right? It's, huh. Interesting. It's yeah. freezy to get to, uh, to Europe. And so that's what I did. I went out, kind of made a community around Android apps, and then out of that we launched Fire TV – which was an amazing journey to think about what does that 10 foot experience mean? What does it mean to, you know, use a controller and how do you, how do you use your voice to actually launch apps on your TV and 
then uh, Fire Phone, and it was shortly after Fire Phone that uh, they came to me, this is 2014, and said, we've got this thing, um, wasn't called Echo back then. Okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, we've got an SDK for it, we're not sure what we want to put in it, can you take a look at it? And um, so I was employee one from the marketing side of looking at this and trying to figure out what would developers do with it, what would we tell companies and brands and, and all of that. And um, wow, has it been a crazy ride? You know, it's there. There are so many amazing people working on Alexa now, from you know just the science of it to the business side of it to the engineers creating the APIs. I feel like every week I get to do, I get to be like announced like a cool prize over Twitter. <laughs> we made this. You know, I've noticed that um, you're like the bearer of this good news, this little surprises every week on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Like I was talking to somebody on LinkedIn was like, um, you know, cause I still feel at the end of the day, I get to do what I love. So it's not like I'm bringing any value. It's like I, I would pay to do this job. Right. And so they were saying something about what I was doing. And I was like, no, no, you don't understand. You're doing all the hard work. You're creating this stuff. You're doing all. All I'm doing is getting to be the person opening the envelope. Like I'm almost at the Grammys, right? Um, it's also, I mean, the negative side of it is I'm the first person that everybody will come complain to. Uh, but I also love doing that because I feel, and I've always loved jobs like that, where if you're going to build something, for me, I didn't want anything between me and the person I was building it for, right? There's there's people who create things. There's people who sell things. I've always felt that I needed to be the person listening to the people that have been sold stuff and get that to the people who are creating it. Interesting. And um, so I love taking that, uh, that feedback. So the role um, has been in the beginning because there was no community. That's what it was. It was helping the community form, giving them the support they needed, making sure we had the tools they needed and, helping with events and, and figuring out how do you, how do we do, um, one of the things I had done in my early Microsoft days were these road shows. So I brought that to Amazon, you know, what is a road show? What is a hackathon? How do we do hmm. those things? How do you, how do you do community events? Um, all of, all of that. And, um, then over time that involved into more around thinking, you know, what does this mean for, everybody else you know what is voice what is conversation how do we design these things how do we make them good and what do we need to add and what are we missing and um what does the future of this look like and then uh you know then i, I switched to different domains so for a while it was smart home so you may have you'll, you'll see videos online of me talking at different smart home mm -hmm. conferences and people trying to figure out what that all means and and now a lot of days it's it's Brands uh, is the next big thing. Of, sure. uh, what does this mean for my company and my relationship with right. my customer? And so, and so, your particular position at Amazon now is chief evangelist uh, of Alexa. And so, how do you, when somebody asks you, so what, what is a chief evangelist? What does that, what does that mean? Is that, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I'd almost say it's like chief educator and uh -huh. chief advocate. Okay. Um, in specific terms, it means I am basically the world's biggest teenager. I could never <laughs> manage people. <laughs> so what, So I don't run the teams. There are some amazing uh, people managers at Amazon who who do all of that, who run the team meetings and you know are are writing Word docs and doing. That's not me. 
I am the one who's talking with the leaders around what we need to be creating, what's missing, taking the the feedback, bringing it back, um, you know, to the teams. It's really those three. There's really three pillars. So it's um, if you think of like a flywheel, it's bringing all the feedback from customers and developers. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the things I've I've shared this at uh, some of the talks is. I have a 60-page wiki internally of like every question that was reoccurring that people would tell me in um, – I used to do weekly office hours oh, wow. and um, online. So reoccurring themes like the reoccurring theme we had on Twitter. I just had another one today around uh, almost like a soft mute if you're listening to some type of content, media content, um, and not have Alexa – uh, listen for Alexa, right? Like th- those kind of things, like those reoccurring themes, get right. those in front of the team, right? Um, and then my favorite part is just being on stage. If there's a mic and a stage, I want to I want to go talk to people. That's the teacher in me. So that's a, a, a good 50% of my time is travel. Yeah. And I love that because um, you just hear stories. You may have seen this online uh, with the math flashcards from Blueprints. That happened at VoiceCon last week. I was in New York. And I was taking questions from the audience and a father stood up and he was like, I just want to share with you. My son was failing math and we made him blue. Uh, we used blueprints and we made some Alexa math flashcards and he's getting a hundred in all his tests. Wow. And I was like, I'm like, you know, that's like, I want to hear those stories. And sure. then those are the stories that bring back um, to the teams. And then the third part is pouring into people and empowering them. You know, um, people like yourself who are doing podcasts and other amazing things like how can I help support all of you you know whether that's coming and having a conversation or whether that's uh, you know sponsoring events or it's helping out with answering questions or it's highlighting work you're doing on social media like whatever I can do to to kind of help and pour into people so that I always look at it as like I need if if once once something is really churning and the community's on fire then I'm not needed right everybody understands everything yeah and everybody can help new people coming into the community, and then I can look for an area where it is still unknown and try and help figure that stuff out. That that so that's really the that's really the job. Um, yeah, for today, right? It could change tomorrow. That's one of the things I love about Amazon is uh, it really is one of those companies where if there's a need for something and you see that need, if you see that balls dropped on the ground, you can pick it up and you can run with it. And they're a company that supports that. And I, uh, I've, I've always admired that. Fantastic. And I certainly see that sort of through Twitter and through social media and, and a lot of things that you're involved with. I, I see almost as like, like you described, all these aspects, but the, kind of the face of, of Alexa and, and just going out there and doing your best to educate people about it, which is fantastic. And along those lines with edu- with educating people, one of the things I'm really interested in, and maybe you can share with the, with the, um, the community here the, in Canada, is um, knowing you've got this development background, what exactly... I mean, the Alexa technology is unbelievable. The, the the matter, I mean, the fact of the matter is that we are living in a time that I think is very exciting with this voice technology. And as we, as you know, as well known, it's very natural to to speak to a device now as opposed to using any other type of interface. But can you maybe just describe in sort of very simple terms, if you can, um, what what is what's behind all this technology? What's the computer science behind it? How does how does Alexa learn? How is the AI actually working? How does it? Um, how does it function? What, how, how are we, where we are today with the computer science? Yeah, it's amazing. It's, um, I remember in, it's maybe three and a half years ago, I was sitting in, um, Bluetooth world and 
everybody I was on this panel and everyone was like, in order to make smart home adoption grow, we all need this unified interface. We don't have it yet. We're all building these different mobile interfaces and nobody's using them. And um, I was like, hello, voice, you know, and then and then you would see the audience. They're like, let the echo guy talk. Let the echo guy. Because that was the <laughs> thing back then. It was I was the echo guy. And uh, I remembered like within six months, people would come up to me and they wouldn't say echo. They would say Alexa. And this light bulb went on where I was like, wow, they have a relationship. There's a connection there. It's not. It's not just a piece of hardware. They're saying Alexa because there's a there's there's a real value and there's there's history there that I'm not even part of. Mm. And I kind mm. of saw that mind mindset shift. And so four years ago, it was just like magic that this thing could hear you and you could have a conversation, right? And I remember that was enough. Um, we didn't launch skills into uh i just tweeted the original slides for this not too go long ago um i want to say it was june or july 2015 we, we we launched the the skills kit and the alexa voice service where you could put alexa into things and a fund right and so a lot of people were just starting to experiment with smart home and they were doing general qa and asking for music and then suddenly they could ask for something else right and um now we're at the time you may have seen the linked order article and um, the some of the stats that came out of that around um, customer engagement. You know that people are actually finding Alexa skills and uh, Alexa is recommending it. And so, what happens over time? And I think this is true with everything in life as human beings. There's that initial wonder. And then it just becomes normal. I remember there was a video uh, a while back where somebody was talking about flying, right? They're like, you're in the air. You're flying. It's <laughs> amazing. And you're complaining, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think it's very easy to forget just how hard the computer science is uh -huh. behind this. And that's what leads into all of these um, – other things, whether, uh, you know, it's a delay somewhere else or, or all the features aren't there. It's not, I used to, in app store, I remember when we would launch into another country, a lot of it was localizing strings within our app store. And I would talk with Android developers and, and we would talk about translation services where you could go ahead and you could convert language, but that's not what this is. This is cultural, right? Language evolved into different dialects over mm -hmm. time. Because of the way that people interacted, there's a certain expectation in speech. It's very different than reading text. There's an etiquette to it. And, uh, you know, I remember when we launched in the UK, one of the, my favorite articles was Alexa is very, very British. Huh. And you would think, well, Alexa is speaking English. No, she's not. She's in the UK. That is entirely different than sitting here in Pennsylvania. The jokes are different. The way, the formality, right? Um, I always get a joke when I'm in London where I say, if we don't have manners, we don't have anything, right? Huh. It's, it's just yeah. a, it's a different way. Um, and that is what has to happen with a conversational UI in order to get buy-in, in order to get connection, because otherwise, then Alexa is just an American tourist in your house. Interesting. So I have to, I have to ask this. I'd be remiss if I didn't, uh, on behalf of the Canadians, as and then maybe this, this sort of touches on what you were just saying, is that you know, Canadians in general are bracing the technology. It's very new here in Canada, um, as you obviously know. Um, but one of the big frustrations that I 
keep hearing is that there are certain uh, you know features of Alexa, whether it be the blueprints or the follow-up mode, or those just two that come to the top of, top of my mind uh, uh, at, at the moment. But there's a lot of frustration that those features are not in Canada or they take a long time to come to Canada when the perception is that it's just English in the United States and English in Canada. So what's the big holdup? So maybe you can just speak to that for a moment or two. Just Yeah, yeah. It's um I mean ultimately we want it to be um everywhere. I mean I but I would love to be making announcements all the time over Twitter, right? And so it's a computer science problem. And when you see feature requests like that, it all ties back down to what the computer science is behind it. And uh, let me talk a little bit about that. So there is a language model for where you are. And words can be enunciated differently phonetically, right? And then there's things where acoustically it can be confusable. So let me um, give you an example. If I said, give me four tea times, Mm -hmm. did I mean four separate tea times? Did I mean do that for the tea times? Did I mean we're going to go golf? Or am I talking about having tea? Okay. Now, depending on the country I'm in, those are the same exact words uttered in the same exact way, and they mean completely different things. So yes, it's English, but a model has to be created for the society norms, for the different biases that exist, for the different dialects that exist, to really understand context, to understand uh, when there is confusion like that, what Alexa should actually pick. What's the most probable way that those words are used? And when you're having a conversation, the way that it works is something called ASR or automatic speech recognition. And so that is the part where it's the, um, is this a human being speaking or not? And then once a human being is speaking. So you, you've looked at things phonetically, right? Words have sound in the, in the English language, there have to be over 40 different phonemes. And so you could say tomato, tomato, mm-hmm. right? There's, and, um, you know, Alexa developers, we give them the ability to change how things are enunciated. So if I have, for example, a company name and I want to pronounce it differently. So even though, uh, we may be speaking one way in in the U.S. with English and another in the U.K. and then another in Canada. Mm-hmm. We're saying the same words. We're going to pronounce them differently, right? Uh, so all that comes into account. So then the NLU is going to look at what's actually being spoken, and that's the natural language understanding. Okay. And what Alexa does is she breaks it down into intentions based on utterances, and so uh, if you've never created an Alexa skill, and there's probably listeners you have who, who, who've never done that, mm-hmm. um, Alexa developers never hear Amazon customers. That it happens only um, with the NLU engine. And so what Alexa is doing is she's looking at the phonetics, the sound of the words, the order in which the words, they're, they're done, and then the actual um, – I, I would say in layman's term, think of it as the scope. Like what is the scope of all the conversations I could have? Because the more things you could talk about, the harder it is for the NLU to actually uh, pick the right choice. So sure. with a skill, let's say I'm going to say something about fitness, right? So I want to I want to do an, an exercise plan. So there's going to be certain terms. So if I say treadmill, 
that means something specific to fitness. I know I'm going to walk or run on it, right? I'm not using it as a funny term to talk about going to work every day. It's a treadmill, right? It's, right, right, right. Okay. You, you understand yeah. that. So there's a model that gets created for that Alexa skill. So when the developer builds that, what they do is they create these things called intents. So every time, uh, let's say I wanted to ask for uh, how many uh, calories if I run for 60 minutes, I could say the intent is calories burned over time, right? And in programming terms, that may be a function, right? Some uh, a, a function, um, a function call, right? So that intention, Alexa has to learn what are the kind of words that people will use when they have that question. So those things are called sample utterances. And this blows developers away the first time. Um, they'll come up with their intents. And I get I would get questions like this all the time, like, does the order matter? And it's, no, you're actually teaching. You're teaching her how to understand how people ask for this. So my sample utterance may be, how many calories will I burn this hour? Uh -huh. Another might be, how many calories will I burn in 60 minutes, right? So this is the same thing, but asking very different ways. So uh -huh. based on all that information, a model is built that says the likelihood that when I ask a question, it's this thing. And so that gets an accuracy level or a confidence level. Uh -huh. We share that now with developers. You may have seen one of those announcements. And so it can say that Alexa is highly confident. She picked this intention that so I'm highly confident that somebody asked for how many calories they burned. They never hear it. She just matches to that function. And then she parses out what that argument, what that specific value is. We call those slots. So in this instance, it would be 60 minutes or one hour. And so it's basically working just like a, a computer program. The magic is happening when she's actually picking what was said to what the developer thought would be asked. Uh -huh. Now, what's amazing is people are super unpredictable. In fact, even when I write my own skills, I never think of everything, <laughs> right? Mm. And we have a tendency to ask for things differently in different ways, different people ask for things, which is why we have a tool to beta test so you can send it to as many human beings as you know and have right. them do that. Um, we also have something called a fallback intent. So the computer science term is called out of domain. So it means, if when they're, when they're using your skill and somebody asks for something that Alexa can't handle in that specific domain, right? You could still ask for normal things. And when you're using your Echo, you may have seen this. You can still ask for other questions when you're using a skill. But there's certain other things you can't. Uh -huh. um, and then you don't have any intent that handles that. So maybe I, instead of asking for how many miles I ran, I say something like um, – I don't know, Alexa, I want to buy a new treadmill, right? So I didn't never even thought somebody might want to do that. Uh -huh. And so that, when, when, when that thing is asked, that becomes what's called a fallback intent. And this is one of the things when I talk to brands about that is really an eye-opener, is that you're meeting your customer in the moment. Because if you think about it, think about every other interface you use, whether it's a web browser or it's a mobile app, or a desktop app, or a video game, whatever it is, a visual interface, even roads, right? Like everything, we have these, we already have these predetermined on-ramps that somebody thought about and they right. want you to follow. But that's not the way conversation works. Uh, you're right.
I could see. So, so in, in, there's finite options, even with a road. There's a certain roads you can go on, but with, with language, it's really essentially infinite, the number of things that a person can come up with. <laughs> <laughs> there you, that's this huge computer science problem. Now, if you take into effect different dialects in different parts of the world based on different intents and different utterances – what happens is in order to, for it to be available in that area, there has to be a very high degree of confidence in what's being said consistently. And that's where you get the magic where somebody just says, oh, I don't even remember what I said to my echo. It just worked. Right? Uh. And so that's the hard part. That's where the tons of way smarter people than me working on this so that it is consistently good over time. And it is – you know, one of the other things we do is we try to make it – as simple as possible for developers too. So we have this thing called a built-in library where we teach Alexa about things. So we taught her that um, an actor has a name, hmm. right? We taught her that books have publishers and we taught um, her that you know publishers have addresses and addresses have streets. And by the way, there's things like European uh, street address or European city, sorry. Um, and that what that is, is that if I said Munich or Berlin in the UK, that's pronounced differently than Munich or Berlin in Germany, but it's still the same place. Uh. And so there's this fascinating realm of language of how we speak as human beings that is completely different than the written word and the visual of what you see it's uh, a mobile app and so all those different variables that you've described and there's a lot uh in addition to the the cultural uh, differences among countries and these like you say the dialect things that that gives me a good understanding now of why uh it's important that that uh, a good product and a good um experience is insured by Amazon before it's released to another place. Is that sort of a fair summary of what you've been saying? Yeah, absolutely. Because the last thing you want is for someone in another country to look at Alexa like she's this American tourist, right? And that, as somebody who travels the world, I can tell you that even in these countries where English is a language that is spoken by the majority, it is a different kind of English, right? There's mm -hmm. different meanings of words and there's a different etiquette to being polite um, there's a different way of uh, uh, just an expectation, and that all has to be taken into account for it to be successful conversationally. Right, right. Very, very interesting. So tell me more. I'm just going to shift the conversation a little bit here, and I want to know a little bit more about um, Amazon has said very often like they want or, – or, or I'm not sure if it's a slogan or a tagline, or, but I've often heard the, the, the phrase Alexa everywhere. So I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit what, what does that mean in terms of the the goals of Amazon and, and the future? Yeah, it's like you know, it's um, and that's kind of a markety thing. And uh, I I would say that it's not even Alexa everywhere. It's the the way I like to think of it is conversation everywhere. Okay. And so if we paint a picture, you know, five ten years from now in the future. The, and if you've been using an Alexa device for a while, this may have already started happening to you. Uh, and it's interesting talking to folks because sometimes it happens to their kids. I was just talking to someone and they said, I got into a rental car on vacation and my kids were saying, Alexa, Alexa, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because they had an Alexa in their car. 
right? And so it, there was just this assumption it was there. I've also seen parents talk about their kids walking into hotel rooms and saying – and I the same thing happens to me. When I travel, I have to take a dot with me mm-hmm. because I start to talk, you know, Alexa. And that's really what this is about. If I look back to – for me, what I'm most proud of over the past four years mm-hmm. isn't that there's 40,000 skills, isn't that you know people are talking about all this. It's that much in the same way that there was this societal switch that when you held a piece of illuminated glass in the palm of your hand, you touch <laughs> it. Right. Right. Think about think about 15 years ago. That would seem so weird that a bunch of people are walking down the street staring at illuminated glass. Right. Right. That, that that now there are people that the first thing they do in the morning is say, Alexa, what's the weather today? Yeah. Or Alexa, what's my flash briefing? Yes. Uh, it settles – Gary Vee said this at VoiceCon uh, last week and I loved it. He's like it settles that you know that friend bet where you're like, who won the blah, blah, blah Super Bowl or, and who's that? It's just asking that fact even faster than you can look it up in Google because that takes you out of the conversation. You just ask. And the, you know, the, the, the term for that is ambient computing. It's just there. If you've ever watched an episode of Star Trek, nobody carried anything on unless they were on an away mission. They just – interfaced with technology whenever they needed to. Right. That is what I'm the most proud of is I've, I got to see that. I got to see that in my kids. I've got to see that in family members who have embraced this technology. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I point out to people all the time is that, hey, you know, your customers today, the they may be entirely, there may be a different demographic that, than you haven't even thought about. People, if you've only given them a mobile app or a website to interface with you, mm-hmm. but now they can just have a conversation, you need to start thinking about that customer segment. And then on the opposite age spectrum is kids, you know, which is one of the fastest growing skills category, may not be able to read or write yet, but can learn by having a conversation. I mean, I hear parents telling me, my kids are learning about geography and they're learning about spelling and they're doing all these things. They don't even know how to read. That's interesting. Right. And that is another – like I'm seeing that paradigm shift. And so that's what it really is, you know, with Alexa everywhere, conversation everywhere is – for me, it's going to be everyone is going to interact with technology and each other yeah. this way. And, um, you know, it's like we're all going to learn how to t- talk to each other again. And the, the SDKs um, for for Amazon specifically for that, when we when we launched this, we launched two – so we had the ability for you to teach Alexa how to have new conversations, and that's the skills. But we also knew that people would want to take Alexa and put her into things so that you could create, you know, you're in the business of creating a speaker or a car. You don't want to have to worry about how do I build a conversation. You just want to have a conversation. And so that's, you know, being the ability to put Alexa in, and you've seen some of the announcements, you know, refrigerators and yeah. computers, it's a bunch of laptops and desktops I've been tweeting about, right? Um, it's just giving people the opportunity when they're familiar, they can have a conversation wherever they are. Sure. And, and so, and I know there's some technology built into answer my next question, and that's what happens, you know, in a couple of, well, it's not going to be a couple of years, it's going to be sooner than we, than we think, but people have got uh, Alexa in their, in their fridge, in their microwave, in their uh, light switches. They've got a couple of Echo devices. They've got these all over their homes. And then when they speak, which device is going to answer them? And how is how is that all going to be coordinated? Yeah, it was interesting when we launched the 
Dot. So around the time, if you remember the the when the Echo Dot launched, and I'm talking about when it launched in the U.S., uh-huh. uh, we for the first time we did this thing. When we had done it with when I was on the Kindle team, we had done it with tablets, but it was the first time we did it with Echo, where we had a six pack. Ah. And in the U.S., I think it was something like two fifty, two forty nine, something like that. And you got six dots, right? Wow. Because at that time, what we were starting to see were people were buying multiple devices, and what was happening is. I know this happened in my own house is I would say Alexa and every room upstairs was saying, talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, the team worked on a technology called ESP, Echo Spatial Perception. And, you know, one of the things that customers love about Echo devices, because Echo is just a device from Amazon that happens to have Alexa in it. Right. Right. You can get all sorts of different Alexa devices, but Echo has beam technology for microphones. And so I think people are continually surprised how well she can hear from far away. And they, they love that. They don't have to shout at it. You know, we're so used to like having to shout at our phones and our TVs and, and suddenly, uh, you know, I, I realize this too. I mumble in the morning. My wife can't hear me, but my echo can, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and so when you do that, it's super interesting. If you get into sound, right? I mean, Sound is waves. It's like water. It bounces off of things. You think as a human being that you're, when you're talking, it's going a certain way, but it's flowing all over the space in which you, you're in. And different objects actually absorb sound. Human beings actually wind up being a really good <laughs> absorber of sound waves, right? Um, so depending on how you're talking, where you're facing, what's in your room, it th- those sound waves are going to hit – those beam um, microphones in different intensity levels. And so Alexa is going to figure that out and she's going to look across all the devices that heard you and figure out which one it was the strongest with the hopes that that is going to be the one that's easiest for you to talk to. Interesting. And so only one of those devices will return, uh, will actually talk, talk back to you. So if I understand you correctly, so you've got all these devices, they're all presumably registered to the same Amazon account. So they're all communicating through the cloud under your one account. And regardless of whether that's in an Echo device or a third party, some other type of hardware, it would all respond in this way. Is that correct? correct? That was, yeah. Uh, you, As a human being, you only want Alexa to respond from one thing. You don't want to hear her all over the place. Right. Very interesting. And how would, and maybe, I'm not sure if you're the right person to ask for this, ask this, but you know, if you've got Alexa in another, in a third party device, it doesn't necessarily have that same microphone technology. How would that? Well, that was something we heard right away from the Alexa voice service is we launched with something that's called push to talk. So it's um, like an echo tap device where you, although we did enable the ability to also just use a wake word like Alexa with the tap. But originally the Alexa voice services devices, you had to push a button to talk. Um, and we heard back saying, you know, people, it, it kind of defeats the purpose because what's really empowering about these devices is you forget where it is. You just talk. Uh-huh. And so we created a spec for companies to do that. And in fact, we worked with Intel and, and other hardware manufacturers for reference boards to make that technology really, really good. So it does feel like an echo with you know, the ultimate idea being that. We need to make sure that this experience is consistent and what people expect when they're using Alexa, regardless of where that uh, device is coming from. So, yes, you can totally get 
hands-free wakeward uh, AVS devices now. Great. That's great. Um, one other topic that I just wanted to touch on briefly um, is I know there's been some things in the media at various times. Um, and I wonder if you can just talk about like overall at a, at a sort of a big level in terms of what's Amazon's approach to sort of privacy with this type of device. Yeah, it's always been um, from the very beginning. In fact, when the team had just a reference board, the you know it's just a bunch of chips uh, and would would be around it immediately. The first human reaction is I don't want this listening. Mm-hmm. And so right at the silicon level, um, they they created the microphone. So that when you mute it, I don't know if you're aware of this, like um, if you have a phone on right now and you put it in airplane mode, that's software. So somebody could still actively listen in just like, you know, you hear reports of like TVs and cars and phones, right? That's happening because there's power to that device. Echo, since the very beginning, when you mute it, not only does it put the light on, but it cuts power at a silicon level. So there's absolutely no way for any sound to reach uh, the microphone. That's virtually then, the same as unplugging it, essentially, is what you're saying at that point, once you've cut it. Correct. Cut, yeah. Yep. Um, and, you know, and so uh, even from the beginning, like when we launched – and it was interesting for me to see people's comfort levels change over time. So in the beginning, I would hear from people um, – Right from launch, we had the ability, not only could you get lights, but you could also get chimes. So every time she began to, and you could still do this, every time she begins to record, you hear, you see a light and you hear boop. And then as soon as she stops recording, you see another light and you hear boop. Um, So you can kind of do that comfort level. And then everything that you've ever said, and by the way, these aren't devices in your pockets. They're devices in your home. So it's anything anyone's ever said in your house. Um, and that's why we had to put this in because this isn't this isn't just a, a personal device. It is a, truly a communal device. So anything anybody's ever said for all time, you can go back and see everything. So you just go into um, – oh, gosh. I, it's under settings history. Right, yeah. And I do this when I travel um, because I like to hear my girls when I travel. I have two kids. So I can hear what they're asking for. I hear uh. them ask for homework and they know that I do it. But I, just to hear their voice – um, so you see that you'll hear the voice. Now you're hearing that cause you're the owner, uh-huh. uh, a third party developer would never hear that voice. Uh-huh. Um, you can delete all of it, which is basically giving an Alexa, uh, lobotomy, right? She's mm-hmm. going to forget every conversation she's having, but if you so choose, you can do that. And since the very beginning, um, you could call up Amazon. If you don't want to worry about the app, you could just call up Amazon and say, Hey, delete everything you've ever recorded in Alexa. And we will. Hmm. So it's it's truly it's always it's been a very good story. That's why I um I I always like talking about it. I think because we have such a it's always been there from the beginning. Right. But I think there's just a lot of confusion from people around even just technology in general. When is it like I think people be surprised just everyday devices, right? Right. No, <laughs> Forget these uh these these. Uh, Alexa's what's what's you know smart home devices and TVs and all that I I like to know and and our approach is to put it into the hands of the customers let them decide let them create I mean you can literally have it so that um, your mute buttons on all the time you can have it you only talk through a remote it's entirely up to you Um, and also everything like you can decide hey I don't want anybody to ever 
purchase things through my Alexa devices. Or you could say if they do, they need to know a passcode. You, there's those two levels. Or you could say I don't want anybody to do calls. Mm -hmm. I don't want – like you can completely – and it's always been that way since the right. beginning. Good. And just to just to clarify for the listeners, because you said like Alexa, you know, you can go back, you can hear the recordings that have been done through your home. That's that's only if somebody says the wake word. It's not recording all the time, correct? Oh, that would be insane to be able okay. to imagine just, how much storage you need. Yeah. So the way it works. I just wanted to be clear I, about that because uh, um, I don't know if we actually yeah, said that. It's only with the yeah. wake word that it's recording. So. so the way it works is it's yeah. the device itself. I mean, it's there. You there's no. NLU engine alive that could do that on that little tiny bit of hardware. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it requires an insane amount of processing power. So what happens is think of it phonetically. And, um, and this is why there's only a couple different wake words is all the different ways phonetically, like let's say Alexa, right? Like you break that up. What does that actually sound like? Not a word, but what does it sound like to a computer when it's uttered? Right. Um, and so it's, it's, it's listening for that wake word. Now, once that wake word happens, that's when it streams the auto audio directly to the Amazon cloud. And that's where the NLU engine begins to process it and saying, okay, what's being said? Let me try and match this. Right. And so, um, that's where you would see the lights go on or the chime if you ever want to want to do that. And you can, it's always fun to go back into history and, and to see that, um, but you had – because you brought something up over Twitter and I had another person bring this up over Twitter today too and I want to talk about it because once you understand how that works, um, like listening to a podcast – I'm guilty of this too because I say Alexa a ton in my podcast. If you listen to an Alexa podcast and your wake words Alexa. Yes. Right? What's Tell me. Happening, yeah. What's Right. What's happening that is um, it's waking up because it's not listening to you. After you've said something, that session times out within seconds. Mm -hmm. So after you've said something, if there's no follow-up, Alexa's not listening for any more language. And if you had the lights or the sounds, you'd hear that go boop. So the next way in order to do that hands-free interact is wake word. So she absolutely has to continue to listen to the wake word. So what I wind up doing is putting it on, on uh, mute. Uh, what I find is um, having a device that does have that push-to-tap, like the Echo, I find is is good for playing podcasts and stuff. I do this a lot side, outside on my deck because I can choose when I want it to do wake word mode and when I want it to be a button to go ahead and start doing a conversation. So but that the, is like you're talking about the tap ahead. the tap device. Yeah, yeah. So that um, that's one we don't have in Canada. So we don't have yeah, that option at this point. So yeah. So it's mute is the only option. Now wow. what I've seen this is you know I can't I can never discuss roadmaps. Um, but what I can say is uh, I told people to go to alexa.uservoice.com, and I have forwarded on this feedback, is I think what people want is a, is a voice sleep. So you say if I'm playing media content, then you can no, I can no longer wake you up to have a conversation for the next 15 minutes. Ah. And that – right? And so the thing that would suck about that is you wouldn't be able to do anything else. So you give up that convenience, but it also stops. And we did it – if you're ever interested, we did an article. Um, it's on the About Amazon blog where uh, we talked about during the Super Bowl where we had Super Bowl commercials. And rather than waking everyone's Alexa up when we would say Alexa during the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. what's happening there is Alexa knows the exact – thing that's being said so she would ignore it right that would be very interesting to me and i don't you, you probably can't comment on this but if, if there was a way that a podcaster or somebody that was producing some type of media 
could embed something like that. Um, so that yeah, but it would be like you know now from the computer science, it's limiting the scope of the conversation. And what would that mean for the world and all the uh, words? You yeah. know how many words and topics I have just. I'm like diarrhea of the mouth when I talk. Like how many <laughs> – like for some – I could just see a computer scientist like foaming red <laughs> mad at me like, Dave, you used this word and phonetically that word is insane. And now – you know, like because the other thing and to also understand the computer science behind this too is the more things that you're trying to understand, um, the slower the latency. Ah, uh, yeah. So you don't want to affect right? the performance. So uh, that's another thing that we could never um, impact. I mean, imagine if Alexa took five seconds to respond or even three seconds. Like people would, would be upset. Like people are used to that. Um, I remember when I don't hear this anymore, but I do hear this from new customers. Um, but I used to love hearing like it's so fast. I feel like by the time I'm done, I feel like she's responding while I'm finishing what I'm saying. Right. Like uh. you would hear that comment. So latency and speed. Uh, is a huge factor in um, what people expect when they're having a conversation with right. these types of devices too. Fantastic. Well, maybe I can ask you one more question. I know we're, we're, we're running out of time here, but I'm just wondering what's, what's your take or what's Amazon's take in terms of the next you know, three to five years in terms of not specific roadmaps, but where do you think this technology is taking us over the next couple of years and what's our world going to look like? Yeah, so I can't, I can't, I can give you Dave's take. I can't really say for um, uh, for Amazon other than you know voice being in the next major disruption. For me, yeah. I think that what's going to occur, you know, kind of that that shift we talked about, where if it's a simple task, like I just tweeted. Uh, recently, and it was it was funny to see people saying, "Yes, the same thing happens to me." Where I have a clock, whether I'm on my Windows machine or my Mac machine, I have a clock, and if I'm like into something, like I'm writing an email, or I'm like working on a Word doc, or maybe a piece of code, I'll ask Alexa the time, and it seems stupid, huh. right? Because there's a clock in front of me, but that's how our brain works. We process visuals so different. This is why people can listen to something while they're gaming or while they're they're watching a show and they're on Facebook, right? Like it's just the way that we process things. Um, we can do that differently. My goal, this is just a personal goal of mine, yeah. is that when I have grandkids someday and my kids now tell them how much they were on phones and screens, and we're very strict. We try to reduce that, There's, but that generation, mm -hmm. that my grandkids will laugh. Huh. And, and they'll be a family that at the dinner table, they'll all be looking at each other. And if there's something absolutely that they need to be interrupted for, it'll be in a non-intrusive way. It'll never take the attention off of the human being uh, across from them. And I think uh, this type of technology is going to enable that. I think when you look at the different generations, like we talked about a little bit of, of – People who are isolated, the ability to have a conversation that we're as human beings, we're not meant to be alone. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so important to have that attachment, especially as you go into that third stage of life. What excites me is, you know, when I am a grandpa and I'm sitting there and I want to, it's almost like it's Star Trek with the holodeck. Like I want to have a conversation with somebody and it can be an AI or it can be another person on the other part of the world. And I'm not hearing them, but we're just conversing. Like that is hugely powerful. And I think that is the draw, whether people admit it today or not, of social media. It's, yeah. it's not 
the content. It's the human being. It's what are these other people saying? What are these other people doing? It's that connection. And you can like be in a room isolated all day long, not gone out and seen the sun and feel like you've interacted with people, mm-hmm. right? Because you're on these, on these social media sites. I think that we're going to shift back to being able to just talk. And that's what I want because I find – because I travel so much too. I find people put their headphones on and they look down. And, you know, I'm a little older. I'm in my mid-40s. So I'm the guy that's not on his phone looking around and I'm the crazy person, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I remember when people, we used to look at each other and we would just, <laughs> and I love having, and then like something will happen, like the plane's delayed. And then I'm the guy that tries to make a joke and we all start talking. And this just happened when I was going to the San Francisco. Um, I was out there twice in uh, last month. And, uh, you know, they had it like completely unload us off the plane and onto another plane. And I talked for an hour with people about local restaurants we all wanted to go in San Francisco and their kids. And I'm like, if that hadn't happened, nobody would have interacted. Interesting. And I think my hope and I think where we're headed now is it's going to bring that humanity back. It's good. Conversation enables that. And it doesn't say just because you suck at figuring out technology, you don't have a voice, right? That's what we say today. We say, no, you, you can't get – my kids do this. You know, you can't get Snap. You don't know Snap. <laughs> it's like forget all that. I know how to talk. Right, right. And unfortunately for them, I do know Snap. I know all t- – <laughs> my, my, my wife's the non-technical one. But, um, you, you know what I mean yeah. is it's this inclusiveness. And I think we'll look back at this time in history of what we've seen, the impact of social media, the impact of these mobile devices and all these screens and what it actually did to us as human beings. And now that we've reached a point where we can talk to the technology, we, you know, we begin to explore that, the, that better tomorrow. So I'm excited for that point. I think, I mean, it's super early days, but I think we're starting to see the beginnings of that. That's wonderful. Yeah, no, I think, well, that's great. And, um, I echo that. I, you know, I, with kids of my own, um, you know, they're on the screens and probably more than I'd like to admit. And, um, you know, if there's some way that we can bring that human interaction back and I I think voice is the way to do it. So, wow. What a great place to leave it. Thanks so much, Dave. Uh, please tell, tell the listeners where they can find out a little bit more about you or what you're doing. How can they connect with you? What are the best ways? The Dave Dev. So T H E Dave D E V dot com. And then that links to my Twitter. It links to my Alexa Dev Chat podcast and LinkedIn and everything else. Wonderful. Well, again, thanks so much, Dave. It, it's a real pleasure to speak with you. Um, hopefully, we can have you back on sometime in the future to talk about some other topics because there's so many other things I'd love to get into with you about healthcare and voice and all this stuff that we just we don't have time in, in one sitting. But um, again, I really, really appreciate it. On behalf of the Canadian listeners, thanks for taking the time to share your knowledge with all of us. And um, I look forward to uh, hearing you speak at some of the upcoming conferences as well that I'll be coming out to. So thanks so much. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, there you have it. Uh, what a great podcast. I had so much fun chatting with uh, Dave. And as I said, boy, there's so much more I could uh, chat with him about as well. I hope you enjoyed it. It was very interesting uh, to me to hear the perspective and to get a little bit more understanding of why some features aren't necessarily released in another country when when you'd think that you know it should just be a simple simple um, flip of a switch. But as Dave said, there's, there's a lot more to it than that. 
So once again, uh, thank you, Dave. Uh, really, really a uh, sincere thank you for taking some of uh, the time out of your busy schedule to come onto the podcast. Uh, for you, the listeners, um, if you have not had a chance to leave a review for the podcast, I encourage you to do so if you feel so inclined. And also, it, it um, was brought to my attention that not all the podcast listeners actually know that there's a flash briefing uh, under the name of Voice in Canada, and that's actually available uh, in all of the English-speaking countries where you can get flash briefings so if you're interested uh, check that one out voice in canada and you can see the uh, web page about that at voiceincanada.ca and of course you can see everything else that we've talked about today at the show notes page at alexaincanada.ca slash 29 alexaincanada.ca slash 29 hope you have a wonderful week and i look forward to bringing you another episode uh, same time next week take care everybody She's got, she's got skills.